Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day to the mums out there. I'm excited to share with you this morning on the fight. You know, when we decided on this topic for Mother's Day, which, to be honest, is a little bit unusual, isn't it, for Mother's Day to be having, you know, not something beloved or something lovely or Proverbs 31 or something like that, but the fight. But when we decided on this topic, it was off the back of our stand series. And God has been leading us at Life Church through some very clear seasons. More recently, some of the messages that have been preached and the songs that we've been singing have included prepare, wake up, stand, fight, and revival. And in isolation, each word has its own depth of meaning. But as a journey, you can see where God has been taking us. Well, last year at a prayer meeting, we were singing the song Authority, and there's a line in it that says, one word from you, things change on your authority. And someone shared an encouragement to ask him personally for the one word that God was giving you, and we took a moment in the prayer meeting to hear from God. And in that moment, the word I got was fight. When you think about it, we have all sorts of fights as mothers, food fights, Water fights, pillow fights, verbal fights, and depending on how competitive members of your family are, the board game fights. You fight for your kids at school, you fight for them when they're bullied, you fight for them to have opportunities and experiences that perhaps you didn't have growing up, or maybe the ones that you valued growing up. When you think about it as mothers, as parents, as anyone who has any role in raising the next generation, there's a lot of fighting. This morning I am speaking, obviously, to mothers for Mother's Day, but I believe this word can be for anybody in any sphere of relationship, so dads and anyone else, don't switch off. For some, like Rebecca, whom we just watched from our Selwyn campus, getting to motherhood is a fight. It was for me too. For some, it's a fight that you're going through right now. For some, it's a fight that has been won, and for some, it has been lost. Some don't want to enter the fight, and some can't. Some have vowed never to fight again. Some feel like all they do is fight, and some are wondering why they fought for this in the first place. But in every single one of those fights, there are two truths. One, it can be lonely. And two, we are never alone. No matter what your situation, I believe that these two truths apply. So I want to talk about three things today. Firstly, what are we fighting for? And the second one, who are we fighting with? And finally, where we are fighting from? So the first one, what are we fighting for? If I were to ask you today, and you were to think of like what are the causes of your fights and arguments that you have with your children or your children have with each other, what would it be? Think for a moment. What, is the, what are the motivations of most of your arguments? And I'm going to ask you to talk to your neighbour and see if you can work out what it is. What are, what are the causes of most of your arguments? What are the motives? What, what gets you arguing with somebody? Have a think about it. Have a chat. If you're online, you can have a think about this too. What causes your arguments? That's a lot of discussion. There's be a lot of fighting going on. Well, when I replayed the last few arguments with my kids, I actually realised that there was a common theme. Either they wanted something that they weren't getting, 
or I wanted something that I wasn't getting. What they wanted usually consisted of food, something more interesting to do, a later bedtime, something they wanted to buy, another pet, or for mum to have another baby. (laughs) What I usually wanted was for something to be tidier, quieter, over sooner, or better behaved, and it certainly didn't include another baby. promise you that. But there are some fights that are just not worth having. Mums, dads out there, there are some fights that you just go, it's not worth it, I'm not going to win this one. So I've got some photos of some unreasonable tantrums so that we can have a look. So the first one, coming up, says, I won't let her wear dirty underwear as a hat. (laughs) That was that tantrum. The next one, he doesn't want to go, even though we've repeatedly told him we're not going anywhere. And the next one, she keeps dropping her fork. (laughs) Don't know why. And the next one, I can't fix his cracker. (laughs) I love kids, hilarious. Sometimes I wonder what God thinks of some of our unreasonable tantrums. Most of our fight, not just in motherhood, but in life, is I want, and our reaction to not getting. Our fight is most often for self. But God, I want children, but I'm still waiting. God, I just want to not have to worry about money, but I'm still struggling. God, I just want to stop stuffing up my life, but here I am again. God, I just want to feel loved, worthy, accepted, seen, but I don't. God, I just want to be a good mother, but I think I'm failing. So much of our struggle and fight is with people including ourselves, and usually it is the people closest to us, because to fight means that there's got to be some emotion involved, right? And while anger might be out, you know, like driving bad drivers and stuff might cause a fight with a stranger, it is love that is actually the motivating factor when we fight with someone close, because their words, their actions, and their responses affect us that much more. So are we fighting for the right things, or are we fighting to be right? Don't you answer that, honey. We can be so distracted by day-to-day struggles and the fight for sanity that we can miss the big picture. We can miss that there is a spiritual fight as well. And I can tell you this, we can't win it if we're not in it. If there truly is a spiritual realm where the enemy and his demons are fighting to destroy our children's futures, their identities, our relationships, marriages, unity, we better fight in the spiritual realm more than we are fighting in the natural one. Otherwise, the enemy is winning. You know, Satan got turfed out of heaven, and this earth is his domain right now. We have authority over him, but are we exercising it when it comes particularly to our children? Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Interestingly enough, this precedes the armour of God that we talked about in Stand. But what's even more interesting is before all that, at the start of the chapter, is some instruction for us in how to deal with others and our positions of servitude and authority, and it includes parenting. I think we need the armour of God in our parenting as well. So Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 4, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Notice that it only mentions that fathers shouldn't exasperate their children. Is that because it's usually them that does it? Or does that just give us a free pass as mothers? I don't know. I think we should probably both heed that advice. But I want to take a wee segue because I know that there are a lot of people who struggle actually with this scripture. Because how do you honour a parent that wasn't or isn't present? How do you honour a parent that was abusive? Can I go so far as to say for some, and I felt this in my prayer time, how do you honour a parent that you are holding some hate towards? How can you honour without respect? Well, in this category, I think they're actually two different things. I want to ask you, what is the greatest honour we can have in all of our lifetime here on earth? That the Son of God, Jesus, would literally die for us because he loves us that much. There is no greater honour that all of our sins have been forgiven, wiped away by the sacrifice of Christ. We have then been elevated to a place of honour where we will get to have eternal life with him. Such an undeserved honour that we receive, even though we all sin, and we all have degrees of brokenness. So if you're wondering how you honour your parents, pray for them. Pray that God would bless them and save them. Pray that God would restore them. And the greatest act of honour you can show is to forgive them, just as we were shown that honour by God himself. I'm not advising you necessarily to be in relationship, especially with an abuser, and I'm not encouraging you to lie and pretend that your parent was something that they were not, but honour them in prayer to the Lord, who despite their failings, loves them just like he loves us, despite ours. Acknowledge their worth to their maker, and he will honour you with healing and with a new perspective that will bring you freedom, and in some cases, reconciliation. Honour is not about paying lip service to people, but for our lips to serve by praying and forgiving. So, segue back, I'm back. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 onwards to 9 continues to talk about another type of relationship. It talks about slaves and masters. Sometimes I think that relates to parenting, but I'm just not sure who is the slave and who is the master sometimes. But it also talks about the context of one working for another. It says, serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I love that. Who grew up thinking your sibling was the favorite? And as a parent, have had to defend that you don't have a favorite. I think we've all done that. This is great instruction, actually, for how not to fight and how to keep perspective on the fact that the battles are not our own, but every person is God's child. And we can trust him with justice because he has no favourites. So that we don't have to get stuck on right fighting in every relationship we are in. It's a Dr. Phil term, actually, the right fighting. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, isn't it? How many times have you had fights or arguments with your kids 
with your spouse, with your friends, with your employer. Now compare that with how many times you have taken them into the quiet place and prayed for them, interceded for them, and brought the fight before the Lord. Where are the scales falling for you? I know where they're falling for me. Our struggle is against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But where are we doing most of our fighting? The second point, where are we fighting from? I feel like God is asking us to fight on our knees. Fight in the place of prayer. Fight in the place of submission. Fight in the place of trusting in God. In the natural, fighting on our knees would get us killed. But in the kingdom of God, fighting on our knees is fighting from a place of victory. Our kids are his kids. Our battles are his battles. Our enemy is his enemy. But who in this relationship truly has the power to transform minds and hearts, to miraculously heal, to miraculously provide, to restore and to overcome the enemy. It's him. It's our Father in heaven who hears our prayers, who speaks to us and calms us, who guides and directs us, who ministers through us by the Holy Spirit, even to our children. I know that if I'm not getting before God and praying for my kids, I can be intimidated by the world that they face, and I can be intimidated by the future ahead of them. I can be consumed by feelings of helplessness, frustration, disappointment, guilt, despair. But no, I have nothing to fear because my God has won the victory. And when I'm fighting from my knees, I join him in that victory and the enemy loses power over my mind. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't do a great job in my own strength. Just being honest. Right now, the house is a bit of a mess. There are bills I've probably forgotten to pay. My son is most likely wearing odd socks. And I've run out of cat food. I overreacted to my daughter when she was complaining. I forgot to tell my husband we were having dinner next week with some of my family. Just next week, yep. (laughs) I said something hurtful out of frustration and I missed the cues my kids were giving me that they needed more time with me because I was tired. How on earth am I gonna have it together enough to navigate the upcoming teenage years if I can't even remember to buy cat food? I need the wisdom of heaven to raise my children and make decisions for the future. I find it on my knees, interceding for this next generation. We all do. We all need to join this fight for the next generation. My goodness, we think it's tough enough parenting them. It's tougher being them. We're also fighting from a place of authority. God has planned and placed us over our children. So we may have authority as a parent, but do we understand our spiritual authority? The word says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It also says we are co-heirs with Christ. We've inherited spiritual gifts and his authority. Jesus himself said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Well, the works he was doing when he spoke of that were healing people, delivering people from demons, 
raising people from the dead, operating in his authority with an expectation that we will do the same. It's pretty challenging. Waking my nearly 13-year-old up for school is kind of like raising the dead, but I don't think that's what it's referring to. (laughs) Our surname shows our authority as parents, and it connects us to our children, right? But it is the name of Jesus Christ that gives us authority over the enemy. When we bear his name, we also have his authority. And from Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20, Jesus sent 72 of his followers out to minister. And I kind of like that he didn't go himself. He just sent them out. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What a promise from the mouth of Jesus himself. Our families, our generational lines hold both blessings and curses. God is a generational God and he is faithful to each and every generation. But where there has been an unfaithful generation, there can be generational curses that the enemy has brought against us. And we need to fight against them and break them. Jesus has given you the authority to change the game for your future generations by exercising that authority in prayer. How exciting that we get to be a part of the answer and declare freedom for our children and our children's children. The authority in the name of Jesus comes because he defeated sin and death on the cross. When we appropriate it in prayer, we pray from a place of already won victory. The third point, who are we fighting with? And I don't mean who are we fighting with. I mean who's fighting at our side with us. You may remember I said earlier that there can be two truths. It can be lonely and we are never alone. So I'm going to talk on that second one for a moment. Can you imagine if you were at war, army against army, and you turned up to battle on the front line and you were the only one standing there facing an army? Not much hope, right? The only chance we have is to be shoulder to shoulder, our shields locked in together, cheering and encouraging one another on. If you're here, that's what church community is meant to be. Life groups, connect for mums, community outreach, worship services, prayer services, mentoring. We stand with others so we can face our battles with confidence. Iron sharpens iron as one mother sharpens another. No one picked me up on that. (laughs) Brother sharpens another, but I'm taking it for mothers. Community, that sense of family, is wonderful when we fully engage in it with the motive to love and serve one another and help each other on the journey of life and faith. But people can only fulfil a part of our lives. Children are not the fulfilment of our lives. Friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, they're not the fulfilment of our lives. Our husbands are not the fulfilment of our lives. Sorry, honey. Why, why did so many nod at that particular point? I'm wondering. I should have said spouses are not the fulfillment yeah. of our lives. God is the only one who fulfills us completely. Yeah. He is the one that brings comfort yes. when we are lonely. Yeah. He is the one who brings provision to our needs. He is the one that heals our hurts and counts our tears. He is the one who is with us during the night feeds and as we sit with our sick child in the wee small hours. 
He is the one who hears our prayers and loves us and our children far more than we ever could. He is the one who fights for us. Look at these examples of scripture and they are just a few. The references are up behind me. I'm just going to read through them. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. I will contend with those who contend with you, and your children I will save. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. There are so many more in the word, but are you getting the picture? Not only is your God with you, but he fights for you. Let's lift our eyes heavenward and get our heads out of the fights around us and remember that he fights for us when we ask him, when we seek him, when we prioritise him. And yes, that horrible word, when we humble ourselves. And today, no matter whether Mother's Day is a day of celebration or whether it's a painful reminder, whether it brings joy or grief, whether you feel confronted with lack or you have abundance, whether you feel surrounded or alone, he is your comforter. He is your peace. Can the team join me? There are natural fights, there are spiritual fights, and there are generational fights. This can seem pretty overwhelming. It sounds chaotic. It sounds ugly and messy. It's loud and invasive. When we're fighting all the time, we are emotionally charged. But with the right perspective, knowing what we are fighting for, where we are fighting from, and who we are fighting with by our side, we can fight from a place of peace. We can live from a place of peace. And we can lead our children and the next generation from a place of peace. We are fighting with the Prince of Peace by our side. John 14, 27. This is Jesus' words to his disciples as he knew he was going to death on the cross. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I just love that promise of peace. And the team are going to sing a song of peace over you now. And I just really encourage you, no matter what's gone on in the last week, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what Mother's Day means to you, just ask you to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds and receive this promise today afresh. <laughs>